gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller, and I am on the state of Wisconsin's Duck Camp Eve. Now, I don't get excited about Christmas Eve anymore, but Duck Camp Eve or Deer Camp Eve... I have to say that uh, it gives me that same level of excitement where I can't sleep the night before. I'm fired up. I don't know where to, what to do. I don't know which present would be open, which would be what spot to go to. And my anticipation is, is at an all-time high. This year was a long year training dogs. Worked with my dogs relentlessly. Got a bunch of client dogs ready to go. And now it is time to go out and take my own dogs out and really enjoy all the work that I did all year and enjoy the property that we've had. We've put in between duck and deer probably, I'd say, 18 days of preparation, uh, different work we've done on the properties. So it is, it is definitely an excitement that I know everyone else gets when you look at it. This year's going to be some different challenges. We have had low water all year, but now we actually have had high water. Uh, the water, I would say, in spots we normally hunt, uh, one of our properties, it is about where it was last year. The other property, it is lower than last year. But the crazy thing for me is the property that is lower than last year had virtually zero water all year. And it is to the point where the cover or the greenery that has grown up is just amazing. The the cattails and the grass that have grown in and made what were ponds and open areas solid green, but now with water in them, it's made it where it's going to be a challenge. I don't think it'll be as good as last year, but it's going to be fun to try just because the birds are going to have a lot more areas to hide. And when you drop a bird, the bird's going to have far more cover to go into. So it's going to be a bigger challenge for the dogs. On top of that challenge for the dogs, the cover's too high to see the dog, to handle them in most areas where we hunt. So it's 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 going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. And it is something that I am definitely looking forward to. Uh, I thought one of the things that we should talk about is taking your dog out on their first hunts. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have their dogs all excited, that have their dogs all fired up and that are fired up themselves to hit the field, remember, you're a handler, not a hunter. Don't take five guns out with you on a dog's first hunt. Let the dog have one or two guns. 
If you're handling the dog, I would not even take a gun with you. I would just make sure it is all about your dog so that you are putting everything you need to into the hunt and you can watch the dog so you can build on your training, but also see where you're lacking for training that you can do still during the season and toward next year by where your dog struggles. All dogs when they're young, and I don't mean young in age, but young as in their first couple of hunts are going to struggle. When they are out there working, don't yell hunt it up all the time. Let them hunt. They're out there. They are hunting. Let them figure things out. That's how we build their drive. That's how we build their perseverance. And that's how we make them seasoned hunting dogs by not having them completely fall back to where they're only paying attention to what we say. You can sap a dog's drive by yelling hunted up to them when they're out hunting because the dog will simply turn around and sit and do something called popping, which means that they're now waiting for you to tell them where to go after you have worked with them the entire time and you've put all of the training into them. You basically make it where they become reliant on you and you don't want that in a hunting dog. You want them to be out there. You want them to be relentless. You want them to work. And a lot of that is just letting them hunt and letting them figure things out. So our first day, we're going to actually go back and hunt a spot that we did really good last year. It is a small private pond. It's going to be different because it had heavy coontail in it last year and this year there is very, very little uh, cover in it because it was dry to the point where there was hardly any water in it all year. Now there is some water in it. Birds are, there's a few birds back, nothing like last year, but the, the water's going down again. So I figure we might as well hunt that spot first before it has zero water in it again. And then we are going to move on to some other spots that have different challenges for the year. Uh, we have probably half our hunts will be in an area, a uh, different property that has high water or uh, it's high water for, for historical, but about the same as last year. So I know where I can sit there. It'll be more predictable. Numbers in Wisconsin of teal is supposed to be pretty stable from last year. I know the wood duck population is way up. It's like 150, 50% higher. So when you're out teal hunting make sure you're doing good bird id make sure it's a teal do not shoot a young mallard do not shoot a wood duck good bird id in the big scheme of things my opinion teal aren't that bright anyway if they do pass they'll probably come back and land in your decoys but make sure you know what you're shooting at Um, also look at your shooting hours in wisconsin (coughs) you can shoot 30 minutes before sunrise for normal duck season for teal season It is sunrise. So make sure you understand what time is legal so that you are not early. Reason they do that, again, it comes down to bird ID. If it's too dark, you're not going to be able to see that glinting blue or green off their wings. You're not going to be able to tell uh, the size of the bird. I know I I can see a bunch of mallards come in and I get so excited. I think everything's a teal during teal season. Uh, It's kind of like deer hunting. When I see a deer, you can always, when you look hard enough, try to put horns on them yourself because you get excited about it. But make sure you have good bird ID. Make sure that you are a good handler for your dog. It's a great time to really work on your steadiness with your dog. Again, that is something that over and over and over again, when we filmed, it was it was a tough thing to do, having your dog steady. I've gotten critiqued on it. I've gotten people that will still criticize it. We started in the middle of August. We ended filming in the middle of, in the middle of uh, 
of February. So I was gone constantly, never had a place to work with the dogs so they would get loose. Now that I am home and around more and have the time, my dogs come first as far as their safety, as far as uh, their training. So even though the blinds that we hunt are raised blinds, I make sure that they are completely steady. I make sure that they are locked in. I make sure that they're taking good lines. I make sure that they are handling properly. I make sure that they're finishing their retrieves. I make sure that they're having fun as well and really put that time in so that the dogs get exactly what they need. There's no corners cut. That is what you need to do as well. Make this the year that you're going to have your dog steady. Make this the year that you're going to have fun in the field. You're going to have a safe time. When you're going out on your first couple of hunts, if you're out with some friends, also realize now is the time to tell them, hey, you need to be safe with the dogs. You need to, if you're out upland hunting or if your dog breaks, not shoot over the dog. There's, there's the argument that if it's a bird that's way up in the air, that's fine. But the thing to tell people, whether it's upland or waterfall, if you, you, you are going to somehow allow people to shoot when the birds are out in the spread, which I do not suggest, but make sure that the people see horizon. They see clear blue sky or gray sky or whatever for the weather pattern so that the birds are up enough so that they can see above the horizon because that means that the dog will not be in harm's way. Safety comes first. Your dog is part of your team. They are more integral than your shotgun, and they are something that you're going to enjoy in the field for hopefully 10 more years to come. So next, we are going to go into a training tip on the next part of the show. And the training tip is a question I got from someone, and they sent me an email. So I won't say their name, but I thought I would go into it, and it was about their dog having trouble marking and their dog also having trouble uh, marking on a single and having perseverance and their dog also having trouble lining up on a double. So we are going to come to that after this quick break next on our training tip after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels, and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical, as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Jeff Fuller, again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. The next part of our show is our training tip and I got an email from a listener named Carissa and Carissa said that her dog is having trouble on Two things, single marks and then having the dog go out on a second bird. So, Carissa, I'm going to answer this, I bet, I guess, as plainly as possible. If your dog's struggling with single marks, there's no reason to work on having your dog do a double. You need to work step by step. 
it is incredibly common for people when they get into training their dogs that everyone wants to do the quote-unquote cool stuff. No one wants to finish steps. No one wants to get the dogs completely under control. No one wants to make sure the dog is competent at one thing and we move on. Two things happen. One, training is built on each step. So when you are looking at doing a simple double but your dog won't do a longer or complex single, you're shorting yourself and you're going to struggle on that double because of it. So first thing you need to do is stop trying to do multiple marked retrieves and only work on your single marked retrieves. Now, if your dog is pulling up short, this is something that is incredibly incredibly common. Chris had said her dog won't go all the way out. It stops and it hunts. The reason that dogs do that is because you can only throw 25 to 40 yards. I'm pretty good. I can throw about 50 yards uh, when I'm out in in an open area, but still, that's still going to be my limit. I know a lot of people will purchase the uh, shooters, uh, the the launchers that you launch from your side uh, or launch from your hand. Those are fun to do with the dog, but it doesn't help your dog with marking. Dogs pull up short and dogs will look up up at you and not see something fall uh, for marking something because of the fact that they know you are throwing it. So you need to do two things. One, you need to have a second person that is throwing bumpers for you. Two, I would go to zero cover. I would go to a mowed surface, like a field, baseball field. If you have a yard, I would start at 100 yards, and I would put a white bucket out for the dog. The dog will see that white bucket. I would have the person that is out throw the bumper next to the white bucket. And again, you're using white bumpers. Orange bumpers are for blind retrieves because dogs are colorblind. They cannot see orange. Use a white or a black and white bumper. Throw it next to that white bucket. Let the dog focus on it. Stop the dog from just charging out right away. Count to five. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, five, one thousand. Release the dog on their name. And you'll see the dog pull up about at the limit of where you throw. So they'll pull up at about 30 yards, 40 yards, somewhere in there, because that's how far you can throw. But because it's a mode surface and because you have the white bucket out there, you will see the dog slowly understand that it needs to go because it's got that white bucket to focus on. I would do this, and if the dog's really struggling, again, you could even go to 75 yards, but I would do this until you're working up to about 150 yards and the dog is consistently powering all the way through at a full speed to that mark when it's dropped by the white bucket. And then you can add in some cover. You can get away from where you've got the white bucket and maybe have a tree, but have something solid that the dog can mark on so the dog understands the item I'm going to retrieve is right there. And you're going to do this over a step of weeks, not days, but you're going to do this so that the dog gets past the point of pulling up short and charges all the way through so that you're in in effect lengthening out your dog. You're stretching them out is what it's called in training. And you're going to get them to the point where they're successful and then add in cover and then add in instead of a white bump, bucket, a tree, a bush, something for them to mark on, but always have something for that young dog to mark on until you get them to take that good line and charge straight ahead. Now, it can be also that a dog is a low to medium drive dog. If dogs don't have a ton of drive, sometimes you have to just make things fun. Sometimes it just is what it is and the dog is going to struggle. One way to always get your dog excited is instead of using bumpers, 
use birds, frozen birds, fresh killed birds. I wouldn't do live flyers right away with a young dog, but use birds to amp the dog up. But again, have something for them to focus on and to mark off of. They're marking or they're, they're, they're seeing something and they're understanding where that bird is or that bumper is. So Chris, I hope that helps. And again, work on that and then come back to me. Let me know how it is and we'll cover your other tip at, at, a, at a later date if you still need help then. So that concludes our training tip for today. Next on our hunting tip, we are going to talk about the difference in chokes as I am here on Tea Leave 2021. I'll have all that and more coming up after this. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Welcome back to the show. It is Teal Eve 2021, and I learned something last year. I normally hunt with a wide-open choke. Um, I shoot a three-inch heavy shot shell. It puts a lot of BBs on target. That shell itself, I used it all through our TV show. Not not sponsored by Heavy Shot anymore, but that shell puts a ton of BBs on target. So it is a really quality shell for what I use. And I've always relied on the fact that I have this great pattern out there. The BBs are on target and I've run wide open shells or wide open chokes. <clears throat> Last year, I had a couple of spots where I just struggled putting birds down, and it was because of the distance. I went to a full choke or an extended range choke on those spots, and it was just a world of difference. I started dropping more birds. They were, they were good kills. They were hard kills. Always look at your chokes. I got lazy. I got to the point where I was just running wide open shells or wide open chokes with premium shells relying on the shell to really help out when the birds were out there too far. But again, I learned something last year and yes, I don't care what you've done. If you're a guide, if you're, if you're a marketing guy for a, uh, a brand, if you have a hunting TV show, a podcast, professional trainer, you're never, never too old to learn. I actually have two different spots where I'm going to run wide open uh, chokes and I have two spots where I'm going to run my full chokes just because of the distance. My spots, it, it's, it's kind of strange. You would think that the birds would suck in, but for whatever reason, the birds like to land where they like to land and they're at that max range for my choke that I normally use. So what would happen is I get one good shot off and like most people, 50% of the time, I'm excited and whiff. And then on my second good shot, I hit the bird, but they sail into cattails or they sail to the point where you can't recover them. And I was losing birds. So this year, I've got 
my extended range chokes. I'm actually going to use one tomorrow on opening day because I've got one of the areas that we hunted that is wide open where the birds just like to land out at about 30 to 40 yards. I actually went and scouted it today. There were five, five teals sitting out right at 40 yards. I thought I'm not going to do it again this year. I'm going to make sure that I've got that quality choke in there for that blind and I'm always going to have that extra choke along so I can swap out depending on what the birds do. So again, always look at your situation, have your chokes with you, be able to swap them out and be ready to, I guess, think on your feet while you're out there in the blind. So it's teal eve. Tomorrow morning, I'll be out in the blind. I'm excited taking my dog Ace out and a couple of friends and my son Callahan. I hope everyone has a safe opener. If you are going to an opener on September 1st, I hope you have a safe season. And I really want to thank you all for listening to our show. Thank you so much for checking in and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here.